0: Before I get into my comments this morning, I wanted to say a couple of things by way of what's coming up. And next Sunday's Labor Day weekend, I hope you'll be here. That's a communion service. And we will be wrapping up our summer series in Colossians, Believe Right, Do Right. So next Sunday, we're going to go back to the book of Colossians, finish up the last chapter of the book, and talking about becoming a bridge, and hope you'll be here for that service if you're not traveling or out of town. Then I'm really looking forward to the fall series. Oh, Caleb, how are you? Excuse me, my grandson just came in. Pretty exciting for me. Anyhow, next, uh, then later on in September, we're going to start a series called God Questions. Questions like, is God real? Is the Bible reliable? What about Jesus? Do all roads lead to heaven? We're going to be looking at some of those very interesting questions, and so I encourage you to be thinking about September, October, when we ask the God questions. We've got some fun videos to look at, what other people think. As an answer to these questions, so I'm really looking forward to going into the fall season. Uh, Also, before we uh, go further today, I'd like to bow in a word of prayer. So let's bow our heads before the Lord and again just ask God to speak to us, open your heart, be willing to hear what the Lord says today. Shall we pray? Father, we're again so glad to be with your people in your house, a sanctuary, a safe place, a place for hope and healing a place to be touched by your Spirit. And so we do open our hearts to you now. Lord, we come here from uh, all manners of uh, walks of life this week. As we turn on the news, our hearts break. We think of the fires in Greece, and we pray for help there. We think of the miners in China and Utah and the families that are grieving. We think of floods that have rocked the Midwest, and then there's war. God, we lift up our world to you, a broken world, uh, so marred by sin and division and hatred, and we confess we're sorry, and we ask for your help and your healing. So this morning as we come here, we do open our hearts to you. We are sinful people, and we confess our sins, and we ask for forgiveness, and we pray that you'd help us to be on the right path as we leave here today to be followers of Christ. Lord, if there's someone here today that's questioning about God, their faith is weak or they have no faith at all, I pray that by the power of your Spirit today you might speak to them. Let them know you're in heaven, that you love them, and that uh, I pray their hearts would be softened and open to you. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Recently, Jim asked me, so how's it going over there in Pasadena? Well, I can hardly keep up, I said. It's amazing what's going on. Did you know, Jim, we've got four services now. There's a Saturday night service, and on on Sunday morning, there's three different services. The sanctuary's packed. We've got a service with traditional uh, hymns and the organ, and people love it. And then we've got a rock and roll service that we just rock out, and it's loud. And uh, then the, the young people don't even come. They've got their own band, and they do their own worship up in room 211. And uh, when it comes time for me to preach, we videocast the sermon to two of the three venues. And then I'm live in one of them, and we change it around every week. And it's just great. It's about to wear me out, but it's we're having a lot of fun. And we had to dust off the pews in the balcony because folks are up there. And, uh, Jim, it's fantastic. But there's more because our mission trips have just ended this summer, and our whole choir and mission team went to Haiti to do a three-week camp to train leaders on how to lead worship in churches and to teach them new music. And they came back uh, with lots of stories. We had another team to go to China, where they teach English as a second language, and we we had a bunch of people in China this week, uh, this summer. And then, of course, our high schoolers and others went with Adventures of Life Ministry to Mexico to build down there and to lead vacation Bible school. It's amazing what's going on at First Baptist. And probably what I like best is the Friday night's Celebrate Recovery Service. We have about 200 people show up, and they come to dinner at 5.30, and then they have a big worship service, and that goes on for about an hour, an hour and a half, And then they break into small groups. And we've got small groups for alcoholics, for drug addicts, for sex addicts, for uh, weight loss people, for gambling addiction, all kinds of addictions. And that goes on to like midnight. It's just amazing what's going on at First Baptist. And then I woke up. But it's a good dream. That is my dream. Can you imagine sitting in here? And uh, we're actually on some Sunday. I say, folks, show up Saturday. We've got to dust off the balcony because uh, it's pretty dusty up there. But we're going to need it. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, I would just love to see the, about a thousand people in this place, just once, Lord. I don't care who they are. I just want to see them here. <laughs> that would be that would be great. Uh, <clears throat> well, can you believe it? Uh, Joyce and I have been here for 4 years on August 31st 2003 4 years ago this was our first Sunday in worship and uh, I think I wore a suit I I since we're doing stuff we did that last time I guess Ted I should have worn my suit and tie uh but I didn't anyhow 4 years ago we began our ministry here and first of all I want to say to you that oftentimes people do ask how do you how do you like Pasadena how's it going and uh, Joyce and I, it doesn't matter which one of us is asked, we say we love Pasadena. This is a great place to live. Now, I was t- talking to a gentleman earlier today from Hawaii. He might be able to trump Pasadena, but there there are lots of places to live in this world. Pasadena is one of the best, in my opinion. So we love living here, and we love the church. And I want to say at the outset, thank you for welcoming us, for helping us to feel appreciated and loved. And uh, I do appreciate the pa- the opportunity to be pastor here. So I am very... My heart's filled with gratitude this morning. I hope you know that. I hope Joyce knows that as well. Um, On that first Sunday, I began a series called New Beginnings. just seemed like the thing to do to me. And so I preached for four or five Sundays on things that I thought were important as we began our life together. On that first Sunday, the sermon was titled, Ending Well. Odd topic. But then... And on that Sunday, I lifted up from Acts chapter 20, Paul's farewell, and I said to the church on that Sunday, you know, someday, either I'm going to leave or you're going to leave, but we're going to end this relationship. All things come to an end. And I said, I think it's important at the beginning to talk about the ending so that we can plan our life together. In other words, how do we want to end things? Does somebody want to storm out in a huff? You know, how do you want to end things? Because the way we live now together will determine our ending. And so then I encourage us to look at Acts chapter 20. And in about two and a half minutes, I want to give you the sermon that I gave back then, because it still speaks to me. Acts chapter 20 is one of the best chapters in the Bible about endings. The Apostle Paul had started the church in Ephesus. He had ministered there. He had been their pastor. He had been their leader. He had been with them for some time. And it came time for him to go. He came back to visit them. And it says in Acts chapter 20, they realized Paul's probably never going to come back. This is our last chance to see Paul. And so that's the story. And he just rehearses his life among them. And I challenged us out of that chapter. And I had four keys. I said, we're going to end well if we know who you serve. If you know who you serve and I know who I serve, when it comes to time to be done with our relationship or to move on, we're going to have have had a good experience. Who do we serve? Now, we talk about serving one another, but we serve one another in the context of serving the Lord, right? And in Acts chapter 20, in fact, in verse 17, it says Paul was, quote, serving the Lord with all humility and tears. Paul had served the Lord, and that's our example. Secondly, I said that you and I will end well if we know our ministry. Paul viewed his life as a race, and he said, I want to complete the race, and the race is that I'm going to testify to the gospel of God's grace in my life. Now, we say we need to serve, but you have specific ministry, and if you know your ministry, and you serve the Lord in your ministry, if I know my ministry, and I serve the Lord in my ministry, things are gonna, it may be hard, but we're gonna be in good relationship. And when it comes time to say farewell, we're going to have a fond farewell. Thirdly, as Paul left, he told them to be on guard against the evil one. And in our relationships, we better guard ourselves and guard the church. In fact, Paul said this to the leaders who he left behind. He said the following. He warned them, guard yourselves and all the flock. And there is a sense in which, as we seek to live for God in this culture, we better be careful about outside influences that can come in and literally destroy the body of Christ. It happens. It happens a lot. And so we talked about guarding ourselves. And then lastly, about living lives with integrity. When Paul left, you know that they knew Paul. They had lived with him. They didn't just hear him preach. They saw his lifestyle. They knew him intimately. He was transparent before them. They knew his good side, his bad side. And when they left, when Paul left, rather, here's what the Scripture says in Acts 20:37. It says, they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. Now, that's a fond farewell, right? Can you just picture it? These people were brokenhearted that Paul was leaving. They loved him so much. That's a great ending to a great relationship. And so I lift that up for us this morning as... Uh, the sermon that I first preached. Now, we could just be done and eat cookies, I guess, but I thought it would be helpful if you ever wonder, you know, what is Steve thinking? Wouldn't you like to know? Well, I would like to share some of my thinking in an appropriate way. And uh, so I've designed that in a way to say, let's talk about, um, let's kind of think about we're all on a bus together and we're going down the road. And the first thing I want to do is look in the rearview mirror of the bus, and so I say that to say I want to look back a little bit and uh, just to reflect with you for a moment. Now, you know, I'm a church person, and I could talk about church the rest of the day. So as I've reviewed this message, I've really tried to edit myself and discipline myself to be more succinct. But this is kind of a fun thing to do. First Baptist Church, Pasadena, began on November 7, 1883. That's a long time ago for a church in Southern California. Now, you can travel on the East Coast. You can go to Europe. Those churches go back centuries. But for Southern California, this is an old church. And it began when 13 people went to Templars Hall. I don't know where it was. And they met with the, um, it says this little history that I'm reading. They met with the superintendent of state missions of California, some Baptist body. And they decided, as they prayed, God wanted to have a Baptist church here in Pasadena. So they felt called to begin a church here in Pasadena, November seventh, 1883. There were 13 people. Now, fast forward, they built their first building and held their... Uh, I think they may have had services before, but the first church building was built on Holly Street and Fair Oaks, and that was in 1886 they held their first service there. And there were 200 and some people. Now... Um, they built a second church in 1904 on the corner of uh, Marengo and Union. That would be right over here on the corner. And I'd like to show you a picture of this church. Uh, there was actually this, Larry Harnish found this picture. This is a postcard that was on eBay. Go figure. That's our church. This is the, how do you say this? This is the second First Baptist Church. <laughs> this is the second building, I think. If my chronologist, And it was built, I guess, over the corner where our chapel is today. And I think they must have torn that down when they built this building then. In 1924, the cornerstone was laid. And uh, in 1926, they dedicated this building, the present sanctuary. Now, a couple other things, and I'll move on. I just kind of find this interesting. You may or may not. But in 1926, when they built this building, they said it seated 1,700 people. By the way, do you know that any building that was built prior to about 1980 or 90, if you figure the seating capacity, you reduce it by at least 10% and probably 20% today. A building built a few years ago that would hold 200 people only hold 180 today. Why is that? Don't go down that road. Um, We just like our space. But anyhow, uh, 80 years ago, this building would hold 1,700 people. Now, today, I don't know how... Don't ask me. The sheet says 1,200. I don't know how many it holds. But look with me for a minute. First of all, when they built this, and uh, I hope I don't upset anybody, but the uh, pulpit used to be right here. None of these risers were here. They're just this wood extended right through here. Some of you remember that, right? Yeah, a lot of you. And so to get up here, you had to come up the side or come down the side. Now, if I'm behind a big wooden pulpit, it's I'm a long ways away, right? There's less intimacy, let's put it that way. And to get to you, I'd have to go around and come down and so forth. So uh, the seats used to come farther forward, so we've taken out a lot of benches, less seating capacity. Also, and Norm Wickland told me this, that uh, originally the pews, and you're free to turn around and look back, but they went all the way to the back wall. In other words, you couldn't walk back and forth. You just had to go out the aisle and the door because the pews went clear back. And, of course, there were no sound booths in those days, so there was more seating there. Uh, but anyhow, a lot of changes to the seating here. Now, another thing, in 1926, they dedicated this building. Then they built the Christian ed buildings, which are the gym and the other classrooms. Those were built in the late 20s, and I think finished probably by 1930. They paid off this property in uh, 1946, right after World War II. And as part of their celebration, they decided to give $77,000 in a one-chunk mission gift to our American Baptist Mission Board. And, uh, I don't know, somebody can figure it up for me. I don't know what that's worth today, but that's a lot of money, $77,000. And that was just their offering. So as we look back, there's kind of a, a rich history, and there are a lot of things to celebrate in the life of our church. And everybody who comes here says, wow, you know, what a, what a place. It's a great, great building. Now I wanna, I want to, um, move forward from 1883, and fast forward up to about the mid-1990s. And I want to ask a couple questions. First question is, if you have been in the church for longer than four years, uh, would you raise your hand? Okay, you've been here longer than four years. You came before 2003, That's another way to put it. Okay, are you okay? Are you all right? You sure? Are you hurt, jaded, cold-hearted, worn out? tired? Are you okay? It's a real question, and I want to explain why. When I was talking to Tom and the search committee that we were in conversation about whether it's God's will for me to be here, one of the things I said was, um, and I don't even remember exactly how I said it, but it was something like this. I said, you know, I'm a little worried about coming to your church. Why? Because pastors don't stay very long. Oh, our pastors stay a long time. In fact, Harold Lane was here for 15 years, had a great ministry, and so on and so forth. I said, yeah, but in the last 10 years, I would be the fifth pastor in 10 years. Dr. Campbell did an uh, uh, interim ministry here when Harold Lane retired and led remarkably well. Then Jim Cook was here. Then uh, Bill Goddard was here. And then uh, Gene Payton and Dennis McFadden were here. And I would be number five in less than 10 years. I said, that works out to about every two years you rotate pastors. I really don't want to move to Pasadena for two years. And there was a lot of silence. You see why I said, are you okay? In fact, Ted, congratulations. You've broken a record yourself. Uh, I'd like for somebody to list this out for me. I don't have the list, but when it comes to worship leaders, the average is about one year. So you're on, either on borrowed time or you're breaking the record. I don't know. But congratulations. And literally, folks, in about the last 10 or 12 years, we've had a new worship leader every year. Now, the question, can you build a thriving, vibrant, life-changing church or anything when the leadership rotates every year or two? No. There's been a lot of instability. We could go down the list. You have seen, those of you who have been here a while have seen dozens and dozens of folks come and go. And I wonder, what does that do to you? Does it make you jaded? Hard-hearted? Don't want to listen anymore because you know it's just a revolving door? I don't know what it does. But I think it's important as we look in the rearview mirror, um, there are lots of things to see. And it's important to see everything we can and and say, God, this is a part of our history. What's it mean for us? Help us with it. And what can we do? So I wanted to lift that up. And one last thing while we're looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, Some of the... Turnover is very intentional. One of the delightful things about First Baptist Church is we have these interns here. We have seminary students from Fuller and other seminaries who have come here, and they spend a year, two, three years in the church, and we welcome them into church. They're engaged in ministry. And then what do they do, interns? They leave. Now, one of the problems is you know they're coming, you know they're going, so you tend not to listen too well. They don't have a lot of authority, probably, and so that's a problem. But I want to celebrate the fact that as we think about the ministry of our church and look in our rearview mirror, uh, there are a lot of people around the world, literally, that say, thank God for the things I learned at First Baptist Church that now help me as I serve the Lord. I I got an email this week from Kit Ripley. Some of you may have gotten her newsletter. And she was talking about the ants eating her refrigerator in, in Thailand, and she was talking about her ministry there. Well, she went to Fuller Seminary, and she was here. I think, did this church ordain Kit, or do we know? I think, I'm not sure about that. But Kit Ripley spent some vital years here in training, and she blesses God for her time here. I was thinking of uh, Tim Hughes. I got his newsletter this summer, and I emailed Tim. I said, this little stuff looks kind of familiar, Tim. And he said, yeah, it's all the stuff I learned at First Baptist. Tim is now pastor in Port Angeles. Just went up there, started his ministry uh, recently. Another person, uh, Ryan Bailey, was our intern last year. He's now pastoring in Indiana. He's learned from this. And so we could go on and on. Just a few Sundays ago, Charlie Northrup sat over here. He came to Christ in this church, was baptized here, was ordained here, went to school, now pastors and has pastored for years up in Daly City. And so uh, the fact that people come and go, some of that can be bad, some of it's good. And we bless God as we look back at our history. And I couldn't help but think of the Scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and we are, and it's good to look back sometimes and think about what God has done in our midst in this place as we even seek to go forward. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance, good word for us, perseverance the race set out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So this morning, as we look back, I hope that you're encouraged. There's a lot of history. Uh, I won't go back to the four years. We'll talk about that now. What kind of what's on, what's going on now? And I've titled this question, Who's on the Bus? You're on the bus. It's a big bus, isn't it? In fact, we've got more seats on this bus than we can fill up right now. But I'd like to talk just about our present life together very briefly before I go to, let's look down the road to where we're going. First of all, where are we? Well, First Baptist Church is in Pasadena, and Pasadena is quite a community. It's a great community, 135, 40,000 people. And I pulled out these statistics from 2005. A lot of information here. I'll just give you some statistics on age. The average age in Pasadena, what do you think it is? Let's guess. The median age, that's different from average, but what's the median age? Somebody said 80? Oh, fifty? 50? No. 30? 40? What else? 32? How many? 37? 32. Some of you are pretty close in the 30s. The median age is 34.5 years. Now, listen to this. In Pasadena, this is just our city, not the San Gabriel Valley, but in our city, 12% of the population is over 65, 12%. Those that are 19 and under make up 25% of the population. One out of four people in Pasadena is 19 or younger. That says something, doesn't it? Now, one other, what about our ethnicity? 53% of the population in Pasadena is Anglo or white. Um, The next largest group is what? Hispanic. 33%, one out of three people in Pasadena are Hispanic. And uh, 14.4% of the population is black or African-American. Probably that population group is going down. Probably the Anglo group is going down. And 10% are Asian. Asian and Hispanics are the two that are probably coming up. So a very diverse community, a fun place to live, a great place to live. Now, what about other numbers? Let me give you some very quick statistics, and I'll move off this. But Uh, Pasadena Church has about a three-quarter of a million dollar budget. Roughly speaking, our budget is $750,000 a year. Uh, The offering will be taken in a little while. (laughs) Just a thought. Anybody need a pen? (laughs) Hey, I saw something cool. This is way off. This is way off. But let me take a little survey. Um, This is a true story. There are... Churches putting in ATM machines. Do you know what ATM stands for? Automatic tithe tithe machine. (laughs) True story that there are a lot of churches, I mean, not a lot, there are some significant churches that in the balcony they're putting in machines where people can make their donation with their card, and they're finding that 10 to 25 percent of their membership and more use that because nobody carries cash anymore, and few people write checks. So they... Provide that. How many of you th- would use that if we had one, an ATM? David Woods. Good. Look around, Terry. Where are you? <laughs> Finance team? Okay. Now, b- back to track. I don't know why we got off there. Numbers. <clears throat> some, some encouraging numbers. Right now, of this year, 2007, we're averaging about 209 people in worship. In 2003, we were averaging 183 people in worship, so the numbers are up 14%. Now, that's nothing to write home about, but that's growth. It's better than being down 14%, so I celebrate that. Also, and these are approximate numbers because there was a year I couldn't get exactly, but we've had in the last three years, from 2003 till now, three and uh, four years, we've had almost 80 people join the church. We've had between 25 and 30 baptisms. The encouraging part for me was that about a third of the people who are joining the church are joining through a profession of faith and baptism, and I celebrate that. That's kind of encouraging, isn't it? So 25 to 30 people baptized in the last several years. And the last thing I wanted to say is about who's on the bus. The other reason I brought up the staff issue is, as I look back, even over my four years here, there's been a tremendous amount of staff turnover. Now, you might say, well, nobody can get along with Steve. That would be the negative way to spin it. And there are some that would say amen. But a part of that is the nature of our society. And a part of it is it just takes a while to put good staff in place. I celebrate the last church I pastored, every key person is still there serving. So I don't think it's just about me. But don't you celebrate the fact that Ted and Joanna have been with us a year plus now. And I don't think they're going anywhere, so that's good. (laughs) Laura Jimenez has been in the office a year and a half. She's not planning to go anywhere. She's doing a remarkable job, and our youth staff and others have gathered around. Uh, we are looking for a full-time person to come on as the pastor of spiritual formation. Pray to God that that happens soon. I'm tired of looking. We've been looking for a year, but we're looking for someone full-time to help us in this ministry of outreach and spiritual formation. We're also looking for someone to replace Marianne as director of children's ministries and pray to God that that happens. How many of you would really covenant to pray for these two positions to be filled? We need help, folks. <laughs> Thank you. And I want to, to, uh, to encourage you to do that. Now, let me wrap this up um, by going to where is the bus going? Where in the world are we going? And I would like for you to find, um, I would like to find it myself, actually, that half-page sheet that looks like a notes sheet, something like this. Yeah. As As we look forward, what am I thinking about? What am I looking forward to as our church? We've got a great history. But we need to serve God faithfully in our time. We need to serve as well or better than those who have gone before us. We build on the foundations and buildings they've laid. Now, I want you to look at this sheet, and it says on there our mission. Would you read that with me? Now, hopefully you've memorized this. If you're into memory, you're not, but if, I would like for you to memorize this if you haven't already. The purpose of our church or the mission is what? To make followers of Jesus who love, worship, and serve God. That's what we're here about trying to do, make followers of Jesus who love, worship, and serve God. Now, underneath is the vision statement where we try to flesh out what does that actually mean? What do we see? And when Dr. Bill Hoyt last year worked with our team to write this, he said, close your eyes, what do you see at First Baptist? So part of it is understanding who we are, but part of it is envisioning, dreaming. What's your dream? Now, we said our vision is we see the First Church in the heart of the community. Now, you don't have to close your eyes and figure that one out. Where are we? We're in the heart of the community. We're across from City Hall. Actually, I like to say City Hall is across from us. Uh, we're right next to Old Town. It starts on the back of our property. I mean, we are in a great spot, right? I can't think of a church in a better spot except for maybe Lake Avenue that's hanging out over the freeway. That's pretty visible, too. And they've got a great spot. But God has given us a wonderful piece of property here. We're in a great location in the heart of the community. So what do we see? Well, we see a sanctuary filled with worshipers. Now, you're going to have to close your eyes to see it. But uh, we've got all this space here. Why not fill it up? Now, let me say two things about our sanctuary. I I celebrate the fact that we have this new sound system. And Ed uh, Kramer, Ed, would you stand up? Yeah, just stand up, would you, Ed? We want to recognize you. Ed's the oldest person in the room today. What, You're 96? 97 and a half. All right, thank you. Now, truth. praise the Lord. Ed may have handed you the bulletin today. Ed told me last Sunday... Big smile on his face. He said, Pastor, I can actually hear. I can hear because we've got a new sound system. And thank God, one of the first things when I went home on Sunday, the first Sunday I was here, Joyce and I were excited, but I said, oh my goodness, can you believe the sound in that room? It's a disaster. And thank God that God's provided the means and the people to put in this new sound system. We've got a state-of-the-art sound system that is fantastic. That's necessary in church worship today. Now, there's one other thing that I'm dreaming about in this room. You can't see the screen half the time, right? Because it's an old projector. It's in the wrong place. And so we've got some huge challenges in a classic room like this. How can we use video technology, technology that can help our worship, technology that can reach. Now, some of you are saying, well, we don't even need that stuff. Well, of course we don't, because you're not 34.5 years old. (laughs) Right? You see where I'm going with this? The younger you are, the more important it is to have these screens up here and see stuff going on. And I could go on and on about that, but I am committed to having a church that's up-to-date technologically. If you were building this sanctuary today, one of the first things you would talk about would be sound, Lighting and sight. How can you see the screens? You'd have screens. And so that's something that excites me. Well, I get excited. Ted's working on that project. He's talking to, we spent two hours talking about a Friday. So we're working on that project. Anyhow, a sanctuary filled with worshipers. What's the next one? A building filled for God's purposes. Uh, do we need to go or can have I, how much time we got? Are you alright or are you bored? You, you, you know, if we were a, a modern church, you could text messages and we'd put it up there and take a vote and so forth. But anyhow, drive the bus. Drive the bus. All right. There's a couple other things that, it, that the truth is for a church of 209 people in Worship Sunday, do you think that the building is too big for the congregation? Rationally. Yes, it is. We've got huge overhead. We shouldn't be in a room all spread out like this. We should be together. We are the body of Christ. Community is important. I wish there were more than two people on this front row. Marcy, I don't know why. Anyhow, we need to be, you know, this building, we, we've shrunk down as a congregation. Of course, the building and the overhead is the same. Now, a um, couple of stories on this point. When City Hall started uh, under construction, for those of you that are new here, the City Hall across the street just opened up a couple months ago. It's been rehabbed for the last several years. And when the chain-link fence went around that, when they emptied the building, they put the chain-link fence around it, they began to demo out underneath. They literally cut off the bottom of that building, and they put it on rollers. And uh, do you know that building can move four feet in either direction in an earthquake? That's what it can do now. Anyhow, when they started that project, I said to myself, when was that built? And they said, in the 20s, 1924, something like that. Uh, Hello? We should be doing that. How much do you think that cost? $117 million. That's a lot of money. Um, we've only got $105 million. No. <laughs> Anyhow, all this time they've been doing that, I thought to myself, I would like to meet the architects and have them come over here and say, what do you think about this place? Is it ready to fall on our heads? What? Give us some advice, because I have no idea what we're doing in here. And so I thought about that and thought about that, and of course I what? I never called them. It was a good idea, but I never called them. So about uh, six weeks ago, Caleb and Eli and Joyce and I were at Pasadena Junior Theater to see Seussical, the play. Guess who was there? Mayor Bogard with his daughter, uh, granddaughters. And I said, Mayor, how are you? Welcome to our church, etc. We've met before. And I told him my little dream. I said, I'd sure like, you know, I wished I'd have called those guys. And he said, would you like them to call you? I said, that'd be great. And about ten days later... A guy named Bruce Judd called me and said, Hey, Mayor Bill Bogard called me and said to call you, and I'm just calling you. So I got a hold of Bruce Judd. Their offices are in San Francisco. They have an office in Pasadena. Bruce came down. He met with me. Chris Smith was another guy he brought over. And Dan and Dave and I met with them for about an hour and a half. They came over, walked through the place, talked to us about some priorities, some things we should be working on. And it was a fantastic time to think about this. And uh, they were very encouraging. He did say, you know, he said one thing that was very encouraging. He said, you know what, we're in a lot of old churches. We do a lot of restoration, and your church is in great shape. He said, it's amazingly good. He said, you wouldn't believe some of the bad situations we've seen. And so, again, our commendation to those who have gone before us that have helped keep up the building. But it's still a big challenge. Church of Christ scientists just spent $3 million on their old building down the street to rehab some of it and do some earthquake stuff. So there are huge needs out there as we look forward to this building. But what else as we talk about a building filled for God's purposes? A couple other things. These are just God events. Um, Coming up soon on Tuesday, about 200 women will come together for Bible study every Tuesday night here at First Baptist Church. Bible Study Fellowship meets here. We open our building to them. We don't charge them anything, and they use it. If you'd like to be involved in that study, it's a great, intentional women's Bible study. It starts on, uh, in September. It's from 7 to 9 o'clock on Tuesdays. So we're using our building to be a blessing to all kinds of ladies around the San Gabriel Valley. Another thing. As you know, a few years ago, Crown City AA came to us. They said, we're homeless. We need a place to have our meeting. And now about 300 people meet there every Friday night. And when we were talking about the relationship recently, we said, isn't it? uh, We're glad you're here. God's given us this property. We want to bless you with it. And so they're thankful. The same with Pasadena Junior Theater. And we've got a great relationship with them that we hope will continue. So just a couple of things. Those are small stories about the way we're seeking to reach out in our community. Now, what are the last two say? We want to use the building for God's purposes. We want to see a community filled with transformed lives. I'm going to skip over some things I had to say there, but if you were here a few Sundays ago and you heard about one of our members who's helping a gang member get out of gangs, that story is going forward. She's doing a great job. And then a world filled with disciples who share Christ's love. Now, I want to conclude today by doing two things. I want to ask you to write me a story. And then secondly, I want to pray. Now, the story part. Our theme for 2007 is what? Become a bridge of love. How many of you would say to me, just by raising your hand, Steve, I do have a bridge story. In some way, I've become a bridge of love this year. Anybody? Bridget's got her hand up. Thank you. Just Bridget and me. Now, Leno's got her hand up. Bob, okay. We've heard from some of you. have already shared. Are the rest of you, you've done nothing to serve Christ this year? I mean, is that what I'm getting back? Rachel has. I know you have, Rachel. I, I know you have. You're just not used to thinking in these terms. Now, let me help you. I want you to write me a Bridge of Love story, and I want to share these stories next Sunday. If you put it off over a week, you're not going to do it. So maybe you need to do it today. If you have email, the best way to do it is go on our website, First Baptist Church, fbcpasadena.com. Go on the website, click on the link. It says Bridge of Love Story or something about that. You can send it right to me. Write your story. Send it to me. You say, I don't have email? Then write it out on hard copy. Type it, handwrite it. I don't care how you get it here. Get it to the office this week. How many of you were willing to do that? You've got a story you could tell, huh? Keep it short. I can't read forever, you know, but let me give you a couple of examples of stories. I'm not looking for some life-changing experience. If you got that, fantastic. But we're we're challenging one another to be open to the Spirit of God, to say, God, would you nudge me to reach out to someone in love? Let me tell you uh, about three different stories. One very quickly. My son owns a hair salon. He's always cut my hair. I think he does the best job of anybody in the world. But, and it's cheap. But it's clear over in Santa Clarita, and it dawned on me about three years ago, you know, Steve, you need to get your hair cut here because you can build relationships. And so I go down the street, and I met some guys that own a salon down there, and they said, well, Tracy can cut your hair. Tracy's been cutting my hair now for several years. I learned, I learned uh, Tracy doesn't go to church, didn't want to talk about God. A big wall came up. You know why? Her mother was a pastor. Holy smoke. And it was almost a cult-like deal, and she she didn't want anything to do with God or the church. Last time I was there getting my haircut, she really opened up, and we had a spiritual conversation. Now, she didn't cross the line of faith and accept Christ, but the door was open. That's a bridge story, right? Another story. Yesterday, as I, as I normally do on Saturday evening, I go for my little one-hour bike ride, and I like to get up on the mountain and pray, look over the city, and I pray for our church. I pray for lots of churches. Just pray God's help to us here. Now, on the way up there, I always go up the same street, Sinaloa. I'm a pretty predictable guy. And as I go up Sinaloa, there's a guy in a wheelchair that lives at a house, and I often see him uh, getting out of his old car, beat up Chevy, or getting out of his old Ford van, getting in the wheelchair. And he gets around pretty good, but he's in a wheelchair. So I'm rolling up the street, and I see this guy. The back of his old Ford van's opened up, and he's got all these, uh, they're not bricks, but they're like uh, paving blocks in the back of the van. And he's loading them out and putting them in a wheelbarrow. And I'm thinking, boy, that's a bummer. Being in a wheelchair, I'd have to unload a van. And I'm riding on up there. Now, true story, I was also listening to Bill Hybels talking about just walk, you know, become a bridge of love and listen to the Holy Spirit prompting you and all that stuff. Guess what? What do you think God said to me? Turn around, help him unload the bricks. I said, God, I've got a mission. I'm going up there to pray and ride my bike. I can't take time for this. And so I rode on another block, and the Lord said, you know, are you going to do this or not, you know? And so I turned around, rolled back down the street, rolled into his driveway, and he was a little startled, you know, what are you doing here in that weird outfit? And um, I said, hey, I saw you unloading these blocks. Could you use a hand? And he said, no, I'm fine. I said, well, I'll be glad to help you. It's no problem, really. No, he said, really, I'm good. So I started to leave, and he said, but let me tell you something. I said, what? He said, thanks for asking, because lots of times I've needed a hand and nobody would help me. And then he told me a story about traveling in France. This guy's in a wheelchair. He goes to France. And he broke down and so forth. I won't tell the story. But it allowed me to, I found his name, introduced myself. Now, that's a bridge story. No, he, he's not in church this morning. That's not the point. You got some of those stories, right? Joyce introduced me to a new guy at Dilbeck Realty. He says, oh, I like to ride. He says, I leave a place over here on Orange Grove every Tuesday. There's about six or eight of us get together at 6 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday to ride for a couple hours. He said, love to have you. Guess where I'm going Tuesday morning? Sorry, Dave, I won't be able to pray with you. i got to make a choice. Am I might go to prayer meeting or go hang out with some guys that probably don't know the Lord? It's an easy choice for me. You see what I'm saying? That's what we're talking about as we seek to become a bridge of love. Now, how, now, let me ask the question again. How many of you got some kind of help story like that this last year that you can think of? It's not bragging. It's encouraging us as you share that story. I hope you'll put it together and bring it to me. Well, thanks for your patience, and thanks for listening to me reflect a little bit. Again, Joyce and I love being here at First Baptist Church. I feel this is exactly where God wants me. I have no questions about that. Even in the tough days, I feel this is where I belong, and I'm thankful. I want to conclude like this. I'd like to pray, and I'd like you to pray. And it might be three or four or five of you, but I would like for us to pray for our church. This is not about praying for the sick or the world or anybody else. It's about praying for First Baptist. And here's what I'd like to challenge you to do, that you'd listen to the voice of the Spirit and stand up where you are and just pray out a prayer for First Baptist. It might be a prayer for the staff or for the positions we're looking for or God's blessing or a pr- note of praise for our history. But would you do that? Just a sentence or two prayers. Stand up where you are. Pray loudly so we can all enjoy the prayer and hear it with you. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and just give you this time to stand up and pray for our church. Shall we? Lord, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We thank you for your church. Uh, we times it's very difficult to be a member. Uh, Sometimes we are challenged beyond what we think is uh, our endurance. Uh, Problems come up in the church just like every place else, but yet you've established the church. It's the place where we grow and mature in Christ. It's the place where the rough edges are knocked off. It's the place of healing and hope and encouragement and strength. So we thank you for your church and for this church. Thank you for those who have gone before us. May we serve as they did with a sense of vision, with a sense of passion, a willingness to sacrifice a willingness to serve. We thank you for your church, and we pray, Lord, that you'd prosper the work of our hands here in this day. We dare to pray that you might fill this place with broken people who meet Christ and are healed and saved. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to become a bridge of love this year, even this week as we go forth. Help us to listen to your Spirit, prompt us, and then to do what you ask us to do. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll ask the ushers to come forward and uh, encourage you to get your communication cards and uh, place them in the offering plate. If you're worshiping with us for the first time, that's all we ask of you is your communication card and encourage you to put that in the plate. The Lord bless you as you give.